So the title of today's message, and the best way I can sum up the book of Acts, is in the title of my message today, Authorized and Empowered. When I look at Acts, I see a people getting authorized and empowered. I want you to understand something. This has been the conversation at my home lately. Uh, this week, Cheryl and I have talked a lot about um, the book of Acts. And we, talked, we, we were talking about, I said, I said, think about this, Cheryl. I said, from chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 were in the room praying and the Holy Spirit fell on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, from that day Till today, this very second, the book of Acts is still being written. It was the absolute launching of God's church. It was the launching of God's kingdom. And to this day, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. And it will continue to forcefully advance until Jesus comes back. The church has its problems. The church has always gone through this season, this, this valley and hills kind of a life. There's times the church is weak, and then there's times the church is strong, and there's all these things that have gone on. But from Acts chapter 2 till today, you need to remember that even your story, if God chose, listen to this, if God chose after he sent Jesus to come and get us again, the second coming, if God chose to finish writing the book of Acts, you could very well be in that book. That word could be in the book. This worship service could be in that book. Think about that. I want to start by giving you this statement that I feel deeply in my heart. It's this, to be people with authority, we must first be people under authority. And that's not just to straighten you up and just to make you act right. That's to give you confidence and strength. How can you walk in something you don't even understand? How can you walk in an authority that you've never experienced? It's like trying to be a cop without going to training. It's like trying to be a cop and you ain't really a cop. How do you walk in authority if you've never been under authority? Jesus is Lord. Whether you allow him to be Lord of your life or not, he is still and will always be Lord. He is the ultimate authority on the planet. In fact, in Matthew, he said that in verse 18, 28, 18, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's got it all. So if we're ever going to walk in the authority that God expects us to walk in, we first have to come underneath the authority of Jesus, which means that he's the boss now, which means that he is Lord of my life, which means that I don't make my own decisions anymore. Just get a little pause for that one. Just, I don't make my decisions anymore. I consult with him before I decide. Interesting. So Luke starts the book out with a quick review of the events of Jesus' departure to heaven. If you remember, they, um, they were on the beach, according to John. 
the disciple that Jesus loved. They were on the beach, and Jesus had cooked a meal, and they came and they sat. And then not too long afterwards, Jesus ascends into heaven, and they see him ascend into heaven. And his last instructions, some of his last instructions were to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And so then from there they took off. So Luke's writing the book to, to, to Theophilus, and he's telling Theophilus in chapter 1 that, that, that all that happened in Jesus' last days, which is very important. Because in there he, he gives the, the whole Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's in chapter 1. It hadn't happened yet. He was telling him it was getting ready to happen. So then he goes into the Great Commission and how we're, t- we're called and, and com- commissioned to go into all the world and make disciples. Then he goes into the day of Pentecost where they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And from there, the apostles would begin to spread the good news all over Jerusalem. So I want to talk to you about three things today. I want to talk to you about the authority. I want to talk to you about the power. And then I'm going to finish up with a third point. So number one, the authority. You've been given authority. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, you have been given authority by God. Some some parts of the Bible say that you're a representation. You're a representative of the kingdom. Like you represent not the earth, not the world, so stop trying to look like it and act like it. You You represent the kingdom of God. You need to be different than the world because the kingdom of God is nothing like this world. In fact, it is out of this world. <laughs> and so you, you, you're a represent, representative of the kingdom of God. The Bible's constantly telling you that you're to separate, to, to not, you can be in the world, but not of the world. So look at your neighbor and say, you're out of this world. <laughs> and if I, was, if I was a guy sitting next to my wife, I would put a little, a little you know, like a little, Suave on that, like, girl, you out of this world. That's how I would do it, huh? Yep. And she just melt right there. I'm telling you. She's under a spell. She didn't know what she was getting into. Little boy from Franklin, shoot. <laughs> Let me move on. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't want to hear all that. <laughs> Make you go to another church. John chapter 1, verse 12. Watch this. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation because it uses a word that I, I wanted to use, but it, in, the, in the other translations it means the same word. John 1, 12 says, But those who embrace him and took hold of his name were given authority to become children of God. So I'm going to teach you about your authority real quick. So in, in, in John chapter 1, the beginning of John, it says that those who embrace him, talking about Jesus, and took hold of his name were given authority to become children of God. So you've been given authority to be a child of God. You have authority to be his child. That, that's good news. The NLT uses the words... Those who believed and accepted him are the ones that were given authority. So so you have to understand today that you've been given authority to be God's child. Listen to this. We've been given authority to be a child, but not to be childish. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we should know the difference. Being childish is refusing to mature. If you're still whining about the same things you were whining about last year, you need to check your maturity process. And you need to embrace that I'm a child of God and everything that I need, he has for me because God takes care of his kids. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples. Remember, I just told you, verse 18, he said, all authority had been given to me. Then he turns to his disciples and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus turns and he gives them, he gives us the authority to go and make disciples. So let me give you a few areas that we have authority. Number one, we have authority to go into all the world. You've been authorized to reach the world. You've been authorized to make disciples. What are you waiting for? You've been authorized to baptize. I was happy when the church finally realized that the preacher doesn't have to do all the baptizing. Because I got tired of changing my clothes. I'm like, somebody else can dunk somebody in their short pants and their wet t-shirt. And they can do all that. And I don't have to do it anymore. Because they've been, believers have been authorized to baptize. <laughs> You've been authorized to teach Jesus' commands. <laughs> to be a person of authority, you must first be a person under authority. <sighs> it's hard to walk in the confidence of the authority that you've been given if you're not walking in the authority that Jesus has over you, you got to get this. His authority over you is the perfect example of how you should walk in authority in the areas that you've been given authority. I didn't know how to be a parent. I said, Lord, when Virginia was, when Cheryl was pregnant for Virginia, I was like, Lord, I don't know how to be a daddy. My daddy wasn't around. Like, I didn't have no good example. My uncles were a bunch of cool like, I don't know where am I supposed to be a good daddy. He said, just do whatever you've seen me do to you, do it to them. What was he saying? Exercise the authority that you've seen me exercise in you. Come on. Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So he tells us to come into his throne room boldly. Not arrogance, not prideful, boldly. That means I have a right to be in his presence. I have that right because he gave me the right. If I don't exercise it, it's because I don't believe that he's given me the right to do it. So if I don't on my own go into the presence of God in my own quiet place, it's because I don't believe that I belong there. And then you don't believe that you've been authorized to be a child of God. 
You feel like an outsider. You live like an outsider when you're an insider. He said it. Come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God. You're not a peasant anymore. You're not a beggar anymore. You're not begging God for nothing. You're walking up into his kingdom, popping open the fridge and getting whatever you need. Why? Because you belong. You've been bought with a price. You've been adopted into his family. You belong there. And some of you need to turn and look at yourself in the mirror one day and say, I belong in the kingdom of God and let something transfer in your heart because you need to get a different attitude about your own life. Because you're living like a peasant and a beggar and you don't belong that way. You're a child. funny that in that present place, in that throne room of God is where we find mercy and grace. (laughs) That's why we have an issue with sin. That's why we struggle with sin, because we don't believe we can get back up. We still believe the old religious lies that we got to work it off. It's like eating a piece of cake and you got to work it off. No, it ain't like that. You need to work off the piece of cake. <laughs> right, Lindsay? Like you, well, you shouldn't have ate the cake in the first time. But if you eat the cake, you need to work the cake off. But you don't do that with sin. You know what you do with sin? You do what, the, you do what you've been given the right to do. You take your sin and your failures to Jesus and you confess them to him. You don't wait to get busted. It's a whole different ballgame when you confess than when you get busted. You can trust somebody who confesses. You can't trust somebody who's been busted. You've been given the right to bring all of your sin and your failures and all this stuff to Jesus. You can bring it to him and confess it. And he says, I'll forgive you and then cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, I used to be a believer that, yeah, but we can abuse that, you know, and we can take advantage of that. And, and I had some sin. Still do. I took my sin to Jesus every time. I finally got tired. I said, you know what? I'm not begging anymore. I'm not trying to work it off anymore. I'm not trying to be good anymore. You said it. You said it. This is my conversation. I said, you said it, so then you got to do it. And I would sin, and I would get right back up and tell Jesus about it. And a couple days later, I would sin again, and I'd get right back up and tell Jesus about it. And the whole time I'm going, I'm just abusing it. I'm just abusing it. I'm just abusing it. I need more self-control. I need more self-control. I got to muscle through this thing. I got to muscle through this thing. You know what I realized? That every time I got back up and Jesus was faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me, it was his declaration of love over me. It was his love declared over me that got me out of my sin. If he's my deliverer, I don't have to flex many muscles. <sighs> so we've been authorized to come into his presence. We don't have to sneak in. We can walk in. <laughs> no back doors. No sneaking in the windows. <laughs> no asking, no hiding behind somebody when they go in. And then you see, no, you walk in. You walk in. 
Why? Because you're a child. You've been authorized to walk in. Virginia works at Stuller Industries or whatever it's called, and it's a jewelry, one of the largest jewelry manufacturers in the world, and it's high security, even more than like going through an, an airport. And she's got a badge that gives her authority to walk in. You've been adopted and the blood of Jesus runs through your veins and you have authority to walk into God's presence. And you don't have to wait for Sunday. You can walk in on Monday. Because some of us need to get in on Monday. Right? So watch this. How we embrace this authority determines how we exercise this power. How you embrace the authority that God's given you determines how you exercise the power that's been given to you. Let me show it to you. The the prodigal son, remember that story? What did he want to do? He said, if I go home, I can at least be a hired hand. Right? That's what he said. I'm going to go home and at least my daddy will hire me as a hired hand. Only to his surprise, when he got to the end of the driveway, his daddy met him with a robe, a ring, and some sandals, and he reauthorized him to be a son again. He was stooping to be a hired hand, but the father met him and said, no, you're too good for that. I've, I've been, you've been washed and bought with my blood, the, the blood of my son. You, you, you're a son in the house. So the father reestablishes his sonship and his authority. To have authority is to take the responsibility we've been given to the fullest extent, knowing that you have all of heaven backing you up. I'm just trying to teach you something I've recently learned about authority. God sent this big bald-headed brother to Eunice. He gave me the city. I've been in denial all this time. I'm ready to walk in my authority, not to make a name for myself. I'm fine if I stay a secret the rest of my life, as long as Jesus becomes famous. I want to walk in the authority he's given me. I don't need a pulpit. I don't need a, pre, I don't need a, a big fancy thing or all this stuff. I'll go to Walmart, find somebody in the, in the produce aisle, and tell them about Jesus and lead them to Christ, and then invite them to church, and they'll come get filled with the Holy Ghost, and their life will totally be transformed. I'm fine with that. I just need to walk in this authority that's been given me. I need to take my responsibility to the fullest extent knowing that all of heaven is behind me cheering me on. But you can't ever know that unless you first know how to walk under authority. So we've been authorized The second thing that happened in the book of Acts is we've been empowered. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about the power. In John chapter 20, verse 22, we'll set this up. Jesus was meeting with his disciples. He said a bunch of things to them, and then he looked at them, and he he did this, this. It's kind of a strange thing, to be honest with you. I thought it was kind of weird, but... It's Jesus. I mean, he just does whatever he wants to do. He knows how to do stuff. John chapter 20, verse 22, it says, Then he breathed on them, which I'm like, I mean, you ever have somebody just breathe on you? 
I said, brush your teeth. You tell what you ate for supper last night. He breathed on them. I know I just made that really weird. He breathed on them and said, watch this, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's believed that that is when the disciples were saved. And from my own research and my own opinion, I agree with that. But that's when the disciples were saved. Jesus said, he stood in front of them, he breathed on them, and he said, now receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, they had received the Holy Spirit. They were saved. So I want you to notice that at, a, at the point of salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, wake up. I, I, this is better than that. I'm preaching better than you're looking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> get this. No, seriously, though, get this. At the point of salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. You need to know that. You receive the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. So the day you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you something else. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. These are the same guys he just breathed on. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, hang on a second. I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. When he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Why then does, do they need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come? They'd already received him. Here's another question. If you get baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit to be a witness, then what is it about witnessing that, you, that requires so much power. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> so in John 20, they received the Holy Spirit. And from there, they were going to go and wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I used to ask, what's the difference, until I realized what the difference was. I heard somebody recently say it this way to describe it, and, and it may make sense to some of you. It may not make sense to, to others of you. But somebody was describing the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they likened it this way. They said, to receive the Holy Spirit is like drinking a glass of water. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is like swimming in the ocean. One doesn't downplay the other. They just have different purposes. It's the same spirit, different purposes. When you are saved and you receive the Holy Spirit, that's to help you live like Jesus. That's for godly living. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's to give you the power that you need to be a witness to Jesus all over the planet. Now, that, that puts us in a corner, though. You got to get this. It puts us in a little bit of a corner. Because, okay, I got the, I got the Holy Spirit to live like Jesus, and, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, or I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to receive power to be a witness. What's up with this witnessing thing? Why does it need so much power? Why wasn't, when I, why wasn't it when I received the Holy Spirit that I got everything that I needed? Why now do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you thinking about questions like this? Or is it just me? 
Because I'm going, if I had, to, I had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be given power to be a witness, oh my God, what's, if I'm smart, I'm going, okay, hang on a second, tell me about this witnessing thing first before I sign up. Tell me about this witnessing thing, because it sounds like if I need this much power to go and be a witness, then what's up with the witnessing? Like, what's going to happen when I try to tell people about Jesus? Ha! Ah. Well, what's, what, am I in danger? Is this a hazardous condition? Yes and yes. <laughs> Welcome to the ministry. Yes and yes. If I have to be filled to be given power to go and be a witness, then what's up with that? So I, for some of you in here today, you, were like, I, you are like I was at one point in my life where I didn't believe there were two points at which I receive or filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't necessarily believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, I just proved to you that every Christian, every single Christian needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit after you've received the Holy Spirit at salvation. So... Just accept it. That's all I can tell you. Just, just not accept it. I mean, otherwise you're going to be struggling. So why is there special power given to be a witness? Is it really that difficult? And the answer is yes. The telling isn't difficult. Say this with me. Say that, I want you all to say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Can, save can save your life. Was that difficult? Okay. So what's so difficult about being a witness? Remember, we're looking at Acts from 40,000 feet. We're at, the, we're at chapter 2, day of Pentecost. And then we see all the way to chapter 28. What do we see? Well, at the day of Pentecost, we see power come to the church that gets never known before. They broke out in tongues. They spoke different languages. It was a miraculous thing. They're, they're all speaking these different languages in this room, and there's a festival going on. You've been to a festival lately? They're pretty loud. The, 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 the tongues must have been louder than the chankity-chank at the festival. And so then all these people started coming around because they heard their language being spoken. And then there's, there's thousands of people that leave the festival to come over here where these guys are speaking in tongues. So tell the devil he's a liar. The next time you need to pray in tongues, next time you need to, all these people come, sets it up for a moment, and then Peter stands, stands up front with this new power that he's been given, and he preaches a sermon he didn't even prepare for. And over 3,000 people get saved. Well, you, you might would sit there and go, well, oh, that's easy. I'll sign me up for that. I'll just get up, speak. People, thousands of people get saved. It's all good. But it didn't stay that way. When you look at Acts from chapter 2 to chapter 28, what you see is you see the, the, the disciples getting empowered to be a witness to Jesus, but you also see all of hell breaking loose against them. They're, they're getting beaten. Stephen gets stoned to death. The guy that, that's approving Stephen's stoning eventually gets converted, which is a glorious story, and becomes one of the great apostles. Then, then Peter and John get arrested. James gets beheaded. All these things start to happen to him. Now you starting to understand why you need power? 
Are you, starting to, are you starting to understand why you might need some power? You don't need power to tell somebody about Jesus. You need power to get through the resistance that's going to come against you when you go to tell somebody about Jesus. It's the resistance that you need power for. It's not the verbiage. Come on, because when you step out and you start telling other people about Jesus, your reputation is going to change. That's some resistance. People are going to look at you a little bit different. That's some resistance. You might not get invited to the Halloween party. That's some resistance. You might not get to be on the Mardi Gras parade. That's some resistance. So some of us don't want to walk in the power we've been given because we don't want to upset the resistance we've gotten used to living with. Does that make you feel better if I smile? <laughs> it's not the telling. It's the resistance. And by the way, all resistance comes from the devil. And you need to understand this. Resistance can be internal and it can be external. Be aware. Sometimes resistance comes from the outside, but sometimes it's bubbling up on the inside. Five types of resistance we face. Real quick, here they are. Sometimes we face physical resistance. Yep, we'll face some physical resistance. Maybe people will try to stop you. There's some physical resistance going on. Maybe you're so, so jacked up inside, you're so nervous, and you got this inner, inner resistance going on that you can't even function physically. I remember being like that. So nervous, I couldn't even talk. My tongue got four times bigger than what it was supposed to be, it felt like. Physical resistance. Sometimes there's relational resistance. Sometimes people that know us and they can see what we're up to when we're at the family reunion and we pull little Johnny to the side because he's been arrested four times and we're trying to save his life and we're telling him about Jesus, but little Johnny's mama, who's been enabling him his whole life, comes up and says, no, 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 don't disrupt him. He's doing good. Yeah, but he's still dying and going to hell, baby. Relational resistance. Sometimes we won't walk in the power that God's given us because we don't want to upset people. Figure that one out. So instead of upsetting them while they're on the planet, we're going to let them fry in hell for all of eternity. The Bible says better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Relational resistance. Sometimes it's spiritual resistance. Oh, yeah. We've been facing some of that lately. Anybody else? Some spiritual resistance. Don't get upset when you get spiritually attacked. You need to get excited. That means you're up to something. Don't freak out. Oh, my God against me good then you must have all of hell of all of heaven going with you you finally got on board let's celebrate that booyah baby you done got yourself a target now you in trouble but now hell's in trouble come on spiritual resistance emotional resistance 
Sometimes you just can't handle the emotions that come with it. I think about the disciples and all the emotions they must have gone through. How do you sit in a jail cell and sing hymns? <laughs> what? Like those dudes got some mental illness. No, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then mental resistance. Some of you overthink the whole thing. How loud is the enemy in your ear right now? Can I ask that question? I already did, so I guess it's too late to ask permission. How loud is the enemy's voice in your ear right now? Are you hearing more of what you can't do or more of what you've been called to? Because if you're hearing more of what you can't do, then you got the, the, the volume of the enemy's voice turned up a little too loud, and you've not sat with the Lord deeply enough to hear his voice. Because all you're hearing is you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you do this, and you do that. You come from this family, and these families, these people don't do nothing right. They curse. They curse with a curse, with a curse, with a curse. What if you the curse breaker? How loud is his voice in your ear? Because you see, if, the, if God's kingdom is meant to advance, then Satan's plan is always to resist. You're just going to have to settle into that. Okay, listen to me. You're going to have to settle into the resistance. You're going to have to settle into the fact that as long as you're on God's team, on God's side that you signed up for, you are going to face resistance. You can let that resistance cripple you, or you can let that resistance encourage you. You get to decide. The current problem with the church, capital C Church, is that we've let the resistance quiet us instead of encourage us. You're going to have to settle into it, which means this. And every time, every single time you take a step with the kingdom, the enemy's taking a step towards you. Okay, when that happens, don't back up. Press ahead. Don't back up. And every time I seem to be doing the right thing, I just get knocked down and it's, oh, I'm tired of ah. <clears throat> Okay, don't fall down. Sometimes your best day is just the day that you didn't quit. I got the snot beat out of me, but I ain't quit. I made it to the bed with one arm dragging and my foot coming behind me an hour later, but I didn't quit. That means I won. Right? I didn't succumb to the resistance. I overcame the resistance. Why? Because I've got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Amen. So let me help you understand something about Satan. He's mad. He's mad, bro. He's just straight up mad. He's mad because he's going to burn in hell. And he wants to take as many people as he can with him. We get the people that get to make him more mad. And less people get to go with him. So Acts is showing us 
the power of the Holy Spirit in action. So when you read the book of Acts and you see all that they've gone through, just Paul. Paul gets knocked off a horse, blind for three days. Tell me God didn't get his attention. He didn't eat for three days. I'd have been more upset about not eating than not being able to see. I'll feel my way to a hamburger. Come on, somebody. Y'all going to get that later when y'all looking for something at home. Paul goes through all this junk. I mean, it got to be monotonous, like resistance after resistance after resistance. Left for dead. They believe he died and then was rose back to life. Resistance after resistance after resistance. And you go, dude, quit. He had something Rudy never had. Y'all know what I'm talking about, Rudy? Play for Notre Dame? Yeah. Anyway, watch the movie. Paul goes through all that. You know what the end of, of chapter 28 says? When Paul's sitting in a rent house under house arrest, they didn't have ankle bracelets back then. You had a, a real guard. <laughs> I think I'd rather the ankle bracelet. But he was under house arrest. The Bible says that no one resisted him while he was in Rome. Some of you have bought into the lie that the resistance will always be there and it will be relentless and it will overtake you and it will overcome you and you don't know if you can live your whole life on the planet under resistance. Can I just tell you because of what I saw in Paul's life that God does give us a reprieve, God does give us a break and he knows when we need to break. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen the power of the Holy Spirit in action taking mankind to the far ends of the earth to tell the world about Jesus no matter what resistance they would face. By the way, when Jesus said you will receive power and, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that's exactly how it happened. It started in Jerusalem, then it went to Judea, then to Samaria, then to the end of the earth. I just thought I'd tell you that so that way you know that God's a God of his word, that Jesus never lies. Here's the third point. Resistance is not my boss. Resistance is not the boss of me, as I've heard kids say. You're not the boss of me. You ever hear your kid, anybody's kids ever say that? Hopefully not to you. Hopefully to their little brother or their big sister or somebody, right? Because our kids never talk back to us like that, right? <laughs> You're not the boss of me. I'm about to show you. <laughs> Resistance is not the boss of me. Say that with me. Resistance, Resistance. is not the boss of me. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before God. Humble people have more power than prideful people. Humble yourself before God and tell the devil to back the heck up and he will flee from you. Now, you either believe that or you don't. And if you believe it, then you're going to have to exercise it. That means you're going to have to resist. You've been given power to resist. So if you believe it, how many of this is just do a quick survey because I'm, 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 I'm going to do something to you. <laughs> how many of you believe that verse in James 4, 7 is 100% true, raise your hand. If you believe it's 100% true, raise your hand. Come on, raise them high. Okay, 
Look around. Everybody in the room, except for a few bashful people, aren't raising their hands. <laughs> that, that's 100% true, right? Okay. If that's 100% true, why are you letting the enemy hang out so long? Why you ain't punched him in the nose yet? When he busts up in your house and disrupt things. Resist him and he will flee from you. I get an image of a flea hopping away. Flee from me. Flee. I wonder if we haven't gotten used to living with this resistance. You see, because here's how it works. When you back up and you quit and you become complacent, the resistance goes away. It's the plan of the enemy. He pulls back the resistance so that you think you're living good and you're thinking that things are okay. It's all false. It's a facade. It's not even real. You've become powerless because you succumb to the, or you succumb, however you say that, because you, you let the resistance overtake you. So, so I know it to be true. If I sit down and I walk in disobedience and I don't walk in the purpose that God's given me and I don't walk with the responsibility that he's given me to go and tell the world and I don't use the authority or the power that he's given me, the enemy backs up. He backs up. To try to make me believe that what I'm doing is right. It's almost like he put the baby to bed. Oh, the baby's to bed. Now be quiet. Don't touch the baby. Don't make no one. Don't wake up the baby. Don't wake up the Christian. I got them asleep. They're asleep. Let them sleep. Don't mess with them. mess around and you walk into a church that's anointed and somebody done slammed the door and woke the baby up. Lord, help this world if the church ever wakes up. So the book of Acts shows us how to face resistance and overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you have so much power? To use it. Because you need it. Because you're going to face some resistance. Because you're going to be disappointed in life. Because people are going to die. Because things are going to fail. Some things are going to break. It's a fallen world. Don't forget that. You're going to need some power to get through all that junk. And guess what? When we get to heaven, we won't need that power anymore. 
So what I love about the book of Acts is that their story builds the faith that I need for my story that's still being written. I'm not hitting my final chapter. I'm not even halfway through the book in Jesus' name. The book's still being written. My story's still being written. God's not done with me. And the devil's not giving up on me. I don't know if I can say that. (laughs) What if, let me ask you a question. What if the resistance you've been facing is a sign that you're doing something right and not that you're doing something wrong. Hmm. What if it's a sign that you're doing something right and not that you're doing something wrong? Because the last time I checked, the enemy doesn't resist sin. He encourages it. In fact, he'll come and give you some of his grace to sin. He'll help you on the way. Right? He'll help you on the way. He'll help you fail. He will absolutely help you fail. Will not resist that one minute. You get all up in sin, Satan ain't resisting you. He's celebrating you. We got another one down, boys. We got another one down. Now y'all back up so he stays down. Nobody touch him. But flip the script and start stepping out on what God's called you to step out on and watch the enemy send everything he's got against you. Why? Because he's trying to resist the kingdom of God from advancing. You have the power to advance the kingdom of God. Can you hear that this morning? You have the power to advance the kingdom of God. Every person you meet needs to be told about Jesus. Every person you need you meet needs to be saved. You don't ever have to ask, should I tell this person? God, do you want to save this? He wants to save everybody. Stop asking the question. Tell them till they run from you. You don't need permission when you've already been authorized. You've been authorized to go into all the world and make disciples to teach people about Jesus' commands. You don't need anything else. Oh, my God. I hope you see this in the book of Acts. It was about others. It was about God's people living on mission to reach more people. And they had the power of the Holy Spirit not to tell them, but to fight through the resistance, to overcome the resistance that they would have to face. All right. So what if resistance is a sign that you're doing something right and not something wrong? You remember when Paul was trying to get from Asia back to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit said, you're going back to Jerusalem and suffering and prison waits for you? Remember, and he was trying to get on a boat, and he's trying to go, and people started using their spiritual gifts to try to resist him. Spiritual resistance. <laughs> what did he do? He fought through the spiritual resistance because he knew what he needed to do and where he needed to go. He was doing something right, yet get, getting resisted from even his own people. 
So I've enjoyed 37 weeks with you in the book of Acts. And I knew when we started that series that God was going to do something in our church. God told me right after sabbatical, I'm getting ready to trust y'all with more people. I'm getting ready to send more people. It's not so that you can get a reputation. I'm going to send you more. But he actually said, I'm going to trust you with more. I saw more kids coming. I saw kids that their parents aren't even coming. I saw adults coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And God said, I'm giving you more. I'm trusting you with more. I'm saying this to you because you need to realize what's ahead of us. That sounds great. It was nice on the day of Pentecost to have 3,000 folks get saved. But now you got to pastor those people. Now you got to disciple those people. Bring the people, Lord, bring the people. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> so I believe something broke this morning. I believe we're, we're flipping a page. I believe something's getting ready to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It may be next week. I don't know. Just something's going to happen. And I believe something broke, which was the first thing that needed to happen. And I believe God's going to send us more people. And he's not done with this little church right now. He's not done with us, but it ain't going to be built on Jamie Tyler. I'm going to tell you that right now because I'm maxed out. I can't go no more. I can't reach more people than I've already reached. I can't disciple more people than I'm already discipling. I can't pastor more people than I'm already pastoring. I need more pastors. I need more people. I need more leaders. I need more disciples. I need more, 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 more. With power and authority. <laughs> All right. So, get ready. Be praying that way. I'm excited. I'm believing it's going to happen. I agree with heaven. Amen? Amen. I want us to, to make a statement of faith today. So, I'm going to lead you in this statement. So, repeat after me. I am a child of God who loves me and cares for me. I have his spirit. Living in me, and he is my guide. I have a key to God's room, and my key always works. I have authority to do whatever he tells me to do because I'm under his authority. I am filled with his spirit, and he gives me the power that I need to be a witness of all that he's done. I can hear his voice and I can follow his lead. I'm not a wanderer anymore. I have purpose and meaning for my life. When I fail, Jesus will help me back up. My failures are not the end of my story. Wherever I go, my purpose goes with me. I am chosen by God to reach the world around me. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Now, Lord, we thank you for today. It's been the best day. My 
heart's running over. My spirit is glad. I've strangely forgotten about all my problems. I even forgot about my agenda next week. Can we just stay here? (laughs) Lord, we love you. We love your presence. There's no greater place to be, Lord. We count it an extreme privilege that you would look upon this little church and say, I'm going to hang out with them today. I really like the way they worship. Their praise feels good to me. Lord, I pray that you would empower us and authorize us like I know that you already have. But God, some of us need some grace in this. We need some help. Some of us don't know how to walk under authority. So God, I ask you to show us. Help us. If that's you, just say, help me, Lord. I pray that as we learn to walk under your authority and your power, that God, this authority and this power that you've given us becomes crystal clear. I pray it'll never be something that we abuse or take advantage of. I pray it never becomes something that we would use to manipulate others and to to control others. I pray that for this church, God, your authority and your power would always stay pure. And God, I'm praying for leaders to rise up all over this place. Elders, shepherds, and folks that would, like Isaiah, say, here I am, send me. God, I pray for every single one of us today that as we walk out of this building, that every person we meet, God, we won't be ashamed to tell our story. We won't be ashamed to be a witness to you. We'll be proud to be Jesus' people. We'll be proud to be people that belong to the kingdom full of joy. I pray people see Jesus in us as we work and as we do all the things that we do when we play, when we drive on these narrow roads. (laughs) That people would see Jesus in us when we get into a restaurant and the service is going sideways. People would see Jesus in us. That everywhere we go, Lord, we would be your representatives. 